0: Today we're joined by former Miami Dolphins tight end, Anthony Fizzano. And Anthony, we, Jen and I collectively are, are virtually scouring um, the United States for change makers in autism. And uh, we knew when we conceptualized this podcast that we we needed to have you on the show. So thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Do you think you could um, give us a little bit of introduction, a little bit of background on yourself? Sure.
1: Um, again, thank you for having me. Um, I'm a native of Verona, New Jersey. Uh, I live in Florida now, um, went to Verona high school, uh, then went to Notre Dame and uh, was drafted to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I then got traded to Miami Dolphins, played for the Chiefs Titans, and then finished my career back in Miami. And, uh, I currently live in, uh, Fort Lauderdale after my playing career.
2: With your beautiful wife and children.
1: <laughs> that is correct, yes. Right. That's not uh, to mention that. Yeah. Yes. yes.
2: So you've been a longtime supporter of Reed. And um, when I met you, you had already been supporting Reed for a number of years. So I'd like to go back to the beginning. Um, what led you to Reed and autism in particular as your charity?
1: Yeah, so when I got into the league, I knew I wanted to give back Um, and um, I did not have a family cause or a history with a cause that uh, I could really give back to. I had a young cousin who we thought was on the spectrum and um, kind of just navigating that process, shed some light on the resources that were not available. Uh, in New Jersey, looked into it a little bit more and, and found out that uh, a lot of the autism stats were a little bit higher in the tri state area and mm-hmm. was kind of uh, baffled by that and also wanted to be able to, to cure some of those problems. Um, not only that relationship, but working with Pat Capra and, uh, and Malka at the time, uh, who he sits on the board now, introduced me to Reed uh, in their early stages and, and really fell in love with the cause, the people the children and, uh, you know, everybody involved. So uh, quickly kind of hitched my wagons to read and, and, and brainstorm on, on what kind of um, awareness and funds uh, we could uh, bring to read through a couple events in, uh, in northern New Jersey. And it, that's kind of how it started.
2: We're grateful for that. Absolutely. You've raised a lot of money for uh, the Reed Foundation for Autism through golf outings and other charity events that you've attended for us. You've always been, you know, sort of a champion for us. And I think what's really interesting is that um, when we think of a change maker, we think of someone who's just not, you know, accepting the status quo, someone who's going to kind of go outside the, the lines. and And I feel like that's what you did. Um, and, and we are grateful. But what I think is interesting is athletes in general using their platforms um, to influence change. Can you speak a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, I know. I think the athlete brand has kind of really grown over the last couple of decades and they've really become some some. Outspoken people in the community off the field, and uh, we're really able to affect some change. Uh, you know, not only that, it's not only the time and funds that uh, myself and athletes bring to causes, but it's it's really uniting the community and bringing some really gracious, um, some philanthropic people to to the causes, and uh, and that's really what I'm proud of, and I think. Again, not only the money and time, but but opening the awareness to um, a lot of people in the community that probably wouldn't have exposure to it if, uh, you know, we didn't create these events.
0: And Anthony, I'm curious, was, was the idea of establishing sort of a platform, a personal calling of yours, or is it something that when you reach a certain level in the league that it's, it's, um, sort of discussed or talked about or encouraged that, that people designate, um, kind of a focus area. I'm just curious sort of how that's talked about in, um, in the culture of athletics.
1: Yeah. You know, as a rookie and a young player in the league, you kind of look to the older guys and see what they're doing and you start getting invited to events and seeing what they're doing uh, and golf outings and, and um, you know, really sparks your interest. And, and you really want to continue that that legacy that some of these older guys started. And uh, that would, that's really what drove me um, to be able to do that. And there's a lot of good people out there that, have the same mission, but don't have the platform. So I think it's important for athletes that do have the platform to, uh, dedicate themselves to a cause and something bigger than themselves and off the field, um, and, and raise awareness. So I think it really starts with the older guys as the example. And, um, you know, as the younger players get older, uh, they continue that.
2: That's great. A mentorship mm-hmm.
1: of sorts. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you do have Very access much. to a different audience you know, we have social media platforms, we have uh, newsletters, but our community is based on people who are touched by autism. Mm-hmm. So having someone outside of that community, particularly with an audience like yours is tremendously helpful to affect change.
0: I mean, even just being present, Anthony, I remember uh, last year when you were at our uh, golf outing, mm-hmm. uh, one of our staff came running in and said, Anthony Fazanos outside. I said, I know. Yeah. Sort of a big deal. (laughs) Kind of a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, having you just present is, is so important. Uh, I know that you and I have had conversations about ideas for the foundation, for your foundation, your priority areas and where you want to go next. Can you talk a little bit about your ideas for the future or where you see, you know, how you see your own platform evolving?
1: Sure. Um, little history on my foundation is, is, um, you know, when I was younger in the league and single and had some more time and didn't have a, you know, a wife and family and some other commitments that um, it it was really likely and and able to do a couple events a year and be supportive and then life kind of gets in the way. So we had a lull in our foundation, Um, but really now raising children and seeing how Reed has grown and, and they're now kind of tackling some some newer issues as their population ages. Uh, it really re-energized me to get back involved and, you know, continue my relationship with Reed in, in maybe a different fashion and trying to cure some more um, problems as, as the students age out and these families uh, deal with that. So um, just somewhat the, the foundation evolving with Reed and growing with Reed is really where I see it moving in the future. And, and not only that, I think, you know, having some ambition to not only bring Reed's you know, services outside of, of the Northern New Jersey area. Um, and, but also I think they're really setting the, the stage and writing the template for other schools and services that deal with autism and, and, and people with disabilities, um, to kind of take their model and run with it. And I think, um, you know, learning what I learned from Reed and Reed's ambition to grow will only touch more people.
0: I feel, I feel like that philosophy is so aligned with how Reed has been from the very beginning, right? We, our flagship started as a school and and we did that for a very long time and we did it very well. And then as the needs of our, students evolved, so did we. And Mm -hmm. I think that um, that's what Jen and I are proud of. The fact that we're continually responsive to really the changing needs of the people we care about very much.
2: Absolutely. We sort of joke that we'll like build a program for one individual and then (laughs) more will come. (laughs) It's not a joke. It's actually very true. I mean, the school was founded on five toddlers yeah, and our adult program began with one and our house began with four. Mm -hmm. So we believe in affecting one life and then the ripple effect happens after that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I remember visiting, uh, I think there was a basement in a, uh, in a temple maybe in Garfield. And uh, that was kind of the first location and it quickly grew uh, to the campus in Oakland and, uh, and now into work programs and and all the different uh, things you have going on for your young adults.
0: Yeah, we're really excited about some of the new opportunities that we think we're, we are able to provide, um, for our participants, particularly with the farm and workforce development, uh, helping with that, uh, under an unemployment rate that is so significant in the autism community. And obviously our conversations with you around housing and Mm -hmm. and development. So there's a lot of work still left to be done.
2: We have to keep changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have to keep pushing the envelope. Are you ready to fire off some questions? Yeah. So we have, we have, um, sort of a fun thing because we not only want to know about like why you're a change maker and the change you've affected but we kind of want to know more about who you are and how you think so these questions are designed to just sort of understand more about you and the first one is so easy what is your idea of perfect happiness
1: That's it's a it's a pretty broad heavy question there i thought
2: it would be so simple (laughs) we're starting off Um,
1: Yeah, you know, and and as a father, uh, you think about it differently, right? What do you want for your children? What do you want them to do? And and really, at the end of the day, it's just to be happy, um, and and love what you do. Um, but uh, I guess happiness is, um, you know, a lot of it in my mind has to do around freedom. Uh, you know, in this great country, and what we're able to to do in this country, but also. Um, be free to do what you love uh with the people who you love. So That's I would uh, awesome. I would broadly say, you know, the, the freedom to do what you want is uh is pretty happy to me.
2: That's beautiful. That's so a great answer. Ask the next
0: one? Sure. Okay. Um okay, this is this is an interesting interesting <laughs> one. What is your um greatest extravagance?
2: Ooh, I like that.
1: Ooh. Um, you know, I I love food. So, um okay whatever city I'm in or uh, whenever I go to somebody's uh, house, that's new. I I, my my thing is, you know, cook me your best dish or what's your favorite food or favorite restaurant in the city and really um, in splurge on food. Um, But uh, you know, a lot of, I'm not a materialistic guy. So, and to couple on that, I like experiences. So going to have experience with my family and create memories, that way is, is something i choose to do uh, a, a lot more than materialistic things.
0: Very well said. I am curious though what is your favorite food of all the of all those that you've tried? What is the favorite?
1: Well, the italian cuisine is probably uh, the high on my list that was a given, yeah, right? up in new jersey. Um, <laughs> I don't know one if you, rest-
2: Do you know Anthony that there's a sandwich named after you at Frank Anthony's in Verona?
1: Yeah, I, you know, there's a little funny story behind there because <laughs> oh, my my younger brother Michael is um, you know, the poor kid has always grown up in a small town in my shadows but uh, has a huge heart and is loved by everyone and he, he is probably closer friends with the owners of Frank Anthony's so he likes to say the sandwich is named after him <laughs> uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm his brother, uh, which I will let him get away with in that, in that situation for all the, uh, the shadows that he had a, you know, climb out of, uh, during his childhood. So that's, that's, I'll, I'll set the truth straight that it is, is named after Michael Fisano and not me. Oh, okay. you heard it
2: here. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a little Verona lore. Yeah. So, but to an- you can answer Chantel's question. I didn't mean to interrupt about like, what is the food that you would like most something Italian?
1: Yeah, Italian. I had this one dinner that uh, I was recently dating my my now wife, and we went to Italy, and there was this one restaurant uh, in Rome that we just love, and we, we walked away thinking that's that's the best meal we've ever had, and uh, it was just the ambiance, and, and, and the restaurant owners were a small family that all had a role in a restaurant, and they still send us Christmas cards today, so And I've sent uh, all kinds of people, whoever I hear is going to Rome, I make sure they go and and everyone's had a great experience. So, um, the Pietro Valentini is the name uh, of the restaurant in Rome. So right there, that, that might be my last meal.
2: That sounds (laughs) amazing. That's an
0: impressive review. I mean, (laughs) this is when he's dating his wife. He's since had children, they've Mm -hmm. gotten married. Like
2: this is an impressive review. So, (laughs) okay. Love it. Final question. This one might be challenging. What living person do you most admire? Oof. Mm-hmm. That's a tough um, one. I think you should is, say your brother just, just,
1: just to cover all your bases today. I've given him enough clout in, in this, <laughs> <laughs> this video so far, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, someone that's done a lot and is coming up celebrity status is, is an easy choice, but I'm going to have to go with mom. Uh, um. you know, she, uh, She's done great and uh, she's still awesome, overcome a lot. And uh, I know I, I learned a lot from her and she set the bar high for, for motherhood. And I know my wife loves it, but might resent her at times as well <laughs> because the expectations are so high.
0: <laughs> I get it. That's
1: a pretty great <laughs> endorsement
0: yeah. though. As, as moms, we appreciate that mm-hmm. very much. Um, I know Jen said that was the last question, but but I have one more. Oh, Okay. Um, And it really kind of brings it back home to change makers. And I just am curious, Anthony, when you hear about a change maker in autism, you hear that phrase, um, what do you think it takes to be a change maker and to really affect true change in this community?
1: Yeah, another great question. Um, I'm kind of a, uh, uh, I think, micro um, where it really doesn't take a lot. You know, if you're able to affect change and, and even bring happiness to a family or, or one child's life, I, I think you're changing. Um, going back to kind of our, my platform, uh, also bringing, you know, when I was in my younger 20s, a lot of my, my peers and friends outside of football weren't really involved in charities. And I think my involvement um, kind of spurred their um their interest in in getting behind a charity. So kind of that domino effect, especially with the younger generation um, is really important, not only affecting the children and family at Reed, but also inspiring people to go out and find their platform. Um, So a change maker would be someone that, uh, you know, not only affects um, the children directly, but also, you know, kind of creates a wave and, uh, you know, brings some other people along.
0: I love that modeling philanthropy for our kids and, and for a, the next generation is, is so critical, not just for Reed, but for so many uh, people doing great things. So
2: it's a great answer. Mm-hmm. He passed. He did. He passed all our First tests. mom, then that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you got me nervous with personal questions. Could, could go a lot of different ways there.
2: Oh, we're kind, you know, yeah. we're very kind. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. I think, um, you had a lot of really interesting and insightful things to say, and we're grateful. Yeah, absolutely. For me. We look forward yeah. to seeing you this summer, Anthony.
1: Yeah, I look forward to staying involved with reading and growing with you. Thank you for everything you do.
0: Thank you. Thank you. you. Take care.